playoffs are for winners. On the other side, we do have to deal with Ngakwe. <laughs> Ngakwe. You are listening to the Packers pregame podcast. And who better to pound the rock than AJ, the tree trunks Dylan? I don't, I don't, I don't have a good nickname for him. Answering the hardest question. Or should we just let this play out? Um, you know that's a good question. Fiery debates. It's Kyle. It's Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller's better than Jair Alexander. Yep, he's better. Uh, unbiased opinion, I disagree. And finally, the hottest of takes from the greatest of truth tellers. Alright, look around, pre-snap, where's number 20, where's number 20, there he is, that's where I'm going. You don't even have to make reads. This game is a chance for Mitchell Trubisky to turn the tide on his career in the next decade for the Chicago Bears. The question that everyone should have been, well, it shouldn't even have been a question, the statement that everyone should have been saying loud and clearly, yelling it from the rooftops from the mountaintops is, look what Aaron Rodgers has done in spite of Mike McCarthy. He has won in spite of the people above him and the people higher up in the organization. He has dragged this team through the mud. He has willed this team to win. We do not give him the credit that he deserves. Hello, everybody. This is the Packers pregame podcast. It is Saturday, October 22nd. You are welcome for listening, as my good friend Mike would always say. I am your resident Bears fan, Jeremy, and we're going to do things a little bit different today michael and my good friend and co-host bill are off today because our favorite host michael is getting married this weekend he got married yesterday actually i could not go due to other reasons don't make it think that we are not super awesome good friends um he actually asked me to go believe it or not and i just i couldn't prior engagements uh my sister's getting married uh so i'm here and they are not and i am just gonna take over today they don't even know i'm doing this so this is gonna be pretty fun gonna be tough to talk by myself for a while but we're gonna do it anyway i miss everybody i wish i could be there but i'm just gonna talk about the hated green bay packers instead so let's get started off the top I'm going to dive into some NFL news, get some Christian McCaffrey stuff out of the way. If everybody doesn't know, Christian McCaffrey was traded to the San Francisco 49ers in the middle of the week after the Panthers had recently shipped off Robbie Anderson after he had a tantrum on the sidelines. Nobody really thought that he would be traded the very next day, but he was. And they eventually moved on from one of their other stars. Christian McCaffrey then moved to the West Coast, back home where he played at Stanford, back where his dad played with Mr. Kyle Shanahan's dad, Mike Shanahan, Mr. Ed McCaffrey. And now Christian McCaffrey, one of the NFL's best running backs, when healthy, which he rarely is, but he seems to have been this year. We're hoping that continues. The 49ers traded a second, a third, 
and a fourth round pick in this upcoming draft, as well as a fifth round pick next year for a running back. I think a lot of people would think that's a lot, a whole lot for a running back, and I would tend to agree with them. But I also just like going for it and taking the best talent available when somebody like Christian McCaffrey becomes available, which is literally never in the NFL. If you can get one of the best players at his position and your team is good enough, especially with that defense that they have, which is a Super Bowl-level defense, and somebody like Kyle Shanahan can make any running back look good, you get the best running back. He has some quote out there about how the system can make just about any running back look good, but you don't have to put a lot of resources into the position only if it's for the right running back. I believe Christian McCaffrey is the right running back. And to tie it back to the Green Bay Packers so that we can get back on track a little bit here, the Packers would never make this trade. You know why? Because they already have somebody that they don't use in Aaron Jones. Why would they go get another running back for a bunch of draft capital that they're not going to use? They already have a running back they don't use. And moving on, Lavernius Coles. Let's talk about that Jets game. There's nothing really to say, is there? Outside of anything that actually happened in the game, you don't want me to hear. You don't want to hear me talk about scheme. I don't know anything going on with either team's scheme and what's not working. Let's just talk about the narrative surrounding that game. That was the most embarrassing loss in the Matt LaFleur era. It was pathetic. It was a game that me, as a Bears fan, didn't even really watch because I had other shit going on on Sunday. When it's 30 minutes into the noon window and you are just scrolling Twitter, you're watching all the Red Zone games, you got your two local games up, mine in particular, were Baltimore, New York, not fantastic, and the Vikings and the Dolphins, because locally, living in Minnesota here, uh, those are pretty fun. But when you hear people online and people talking about how terrible the Jets Packers game is, why would I tune into that? All I need to do is watch the highlights at the end and talk about what wasn't working. Everybody online is talking about how this looks like a Bears game. Bears ass offense, Packers. I just can't believe anybody in Green Bay and who watches the Packers has the gall to describe that game as a Bears game. You don't know Chicago Bears offense. You just have to deal with your Hall of Fame quarterback who doesn't like his offense, can't throw it to his receivers, refuses to play within the offense, and you're getting beat by the Jets. That game was pretty pathetic, I'm not going to lie. The best part to me, and don't worry, I'm going to try to be a little pro-Packers and not so anti because I'm a professional. That's what we do here in the business, is be professional. Um, they chose not to take the bye after the London game, which is very important because apparently it's something I learned. You can do that. You can make a choice to play outside of the London game. And if you do choose to play, you can pick an opponent that's on your schedule. If you don't take the bye 
which I feel like most teams should, they then chose an opponent under schedule. They chose to go with the Jets, which, before the season, makes a ton of sense. Makes all the sense in the world. The Jets are probably still in one of their rebuilding years. Maybe they didn't believe in Zach Wilson. I sure as hell wouldn't. Still don't. They chose the Jets, and what they didn't anticipate, much like myself and probably a lot of other NFL fans, is that that Jets defense might have a little something to it. Quinn and Williams, Sauce Gardner, those guys are stupid good. Quinnen Williams has kind of been an under-the-radar good NFL defensive lineman for a few years now out of Alabama, but the Jets have been so bad nobody's really cared. And he had that blow-up last week on the sidelines with one of his coaches, and there was some quote out there, I think, about him huffing and puffing on the sidelines and he's maybe not in shape. He absolutely destroyed this game. In any time that he wasn't destroying it, Aaron Rodgers couldn't find any of his guys because Sauce, Mr. Sauce Gardner, who refuses to go by Sauce until he has earned the nickname. Son, you have earned the nickname Sauce because you move like crazy for a defensive back. I, I just have never, I haven't seen anything like it. It's unbelievable. Any single time that Alan Lazard tried to shake you with a double move or outside, inside, anything, he's right there like glue. It was... It's pretty fun to watch as a Packers hater. Somebody like Sauce Gardner just absolutely stifling the Packers offense that is supposed to be just so much better with the quarterback that you have. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, they, the Packers still couldn't stop anybody on the ground. Brees Hall, another guy on the Jets. We started with defense, we'll go to offense now. Brees Hall looks really good. Really, really good. He's such a fluid runner, finds the hole, really patient, and it's about time he got the job over Michael Carter. Only took a few weeks. We're still early, but the Packers' run defense is still just so bad. They are not filling their run fits. Their gaps and their angles are terrible. Devondre Campbell, first-team All-Pro last year, I'm pretty sure, and I just, I don't know, I didn't see it. Sometimes the talent is undeniable when you see it on film, like last year. And I was just, any any time he had a good week, I just couldn't believe it was happening. So then, when he continues to be really good, makes me even more mad. And then, when he's not good this year, it just makes me feel happy that I've been telling everybody all offseason that he's not actually very good. And that's, I've, just, I've had him on front watch all but I did anyway, and he's not looked very good. He's kind of one of their premier run stoppers and pass coverage guys. He made that nice play against the Bucs a few weeks ago to pretty much seal that impressive two-point win, but he just hasn't been very good this year, and they really, really need him to be better, and that's just one of many issues on their entire defense. Special teams is also really bad still, Rich Bisaccia isn't really helping that very much. They had another kick blocked. I think it was by Quinn and Williams. It's literally everywhere. Um, didn't they have a fumble on a kickoff too? I don't know. Sorry. Like I said, didn't watch the game. Didn't really want to. But I'm doing my best here. 
Art Monk. Let's get into the game with the Washington Command skins. When it comes to the Packers playing these bad teams, you just assume they're going to win out because they have they have Aaron Rodgers. They have the one trump card that none of these other teams have. When the game gets into the mud, we can lean on Aaron Rodgers to do what he does best. He's played a thousand NFL games. He knows every situation he's ever been in. He knows what to do. But he seems to be out of sync this year with his offensive play calling, his system, his coach. And he's thrown around a couple quotes po post-game against the Jets when he's saying stuff like, we need the offense to simplify a little bit, but then he kind of walks that back the next day. No surprise there. Um, I don't think he trusts his receivers, which isn't some bold, gigantic take. It's pretty, it's pretty understandable. They're... There's talent out there. Everybody watching these games will tell you that there is certainly talent, but he doesn't seem to have that. Again, I'll use this classic take. It's not really anything special. He doesn't have his Devontae Adams. He can't just lean on somebody that he can trust to get open on a quick slant or that he can take that three-step drop, huck it 30 yards downfield, and somebody's going to come down with it. I did a little research. My research includes watching the highlights of old games of the upcoming opponent. And it's just funny to see some of the times that they're backed into a corner. And all he has to do is find 17. And there's our first down. And the drive is live. I'm going to find a little quote here from the past that explains some of Rodgers's, um, I guess, base layer frustration with the offense they're in, even though he's clearly made it work the past two years, back-to-back -back MVP, yada, yada, all that. But he has been very vocal in the past about how he loves the West Coast offense. Basically, it's not the McCarthy offense, but that's the offense that Aaron Rodgers came up in and that Mike McCarthy also worked with and came up with, and that's what they paired together to win a Super Bowl and win the division however many years in the 2010s. He stated on things like Pardon My Take and other interviews that the West Coast offense is his favorite. He calls it the most beautiful offense. It's perfect. I am not an expert on offensive systems, but I gotta feel like whenever I play Madden, I think I'm a West Coast fan and I don't even know what I mean when I say that, but I think I like it. Here's a quote he had with Kevin Clark of The Ringer, I think, in 2020, or he's saying it was back in August before this season. Um, he really wants more tempo, or he wants, the, he wants the ability to go tempo, but sometimes he can't because of the LaFleur, Shanahan, McVay, that type of offense. There's just so much pre-snap motion that predicates what you're doing and what you're checking out of in order to run the specific play called or to make whatever checks you want to make. Here's what he had to say. 
this period, it was after a practice, I think, in training camp. It said, this period ended organically. A meeting here, a play there, a series of expansive Zoom calls before the 2020 season. So now I can say, Matt, every freaking play in this practice has motion on it. Can we take some motion off to get some tempo practice? And he can say, and he can say yes without being sensitive, <laughs> Rogers says. Then Rogers explains, LaFleur can make fun of the tempo plays Rogers asked for or correct him. And I get to say, quote, and I get to say, you're right, you're exactly right. And it continues here uh, from Kevin Clark. It goes, but Rogers did not love all of the motion in the offense. It's still tricky for him, he said. The West Coast offense, what he was used to, is very, quote, guy for guy when it comes to protection. He'd rather use his cadence at the line to get defenses to show him hints at what they are doing. But he loves the eye discipline that LaFleur's motions and shifts demand. He's got the quote, he's got the green light on the field, LaFleur said. I have 100% trust with him. We have a lot of conversations during the week. That's why I never want to miss a meeting. I want to. I want him to hear why I like something or why he might not like something. Because if he's not comfortable, I'm not going to call it. So there you have it. You have... He's very comfortable in both because of how good he is. But he also, and this is something I think I would agree with, the LaFleur, McVay, Shanahan, all of that, the pre-snap motion, it sounds really good on paper for, I would say, your average, even to above-average quarterbacks. It really forces the defense to be very disciplined, like he said, with their eyes, with their feet, with their instincts in their brain they they read these keys and they have to be very very sound when they see all the stuff going on they need to know what's window dressing what's not but the thing i kind of like about roger's quote in there about the west coast is that if it's comfortable for him where he's saying he kind of just needs to look somebody in the (laughs) eyes to put it lightly he knows exactly what's going on he can use that cadence of his of which he is the cadence god i've been burned a million times by it i've seen it sometimes you just gotta let your guy go out and do what he does best if things aren't working i like what he says about the tempo because if any time you want to try to catch the defense on their heels maybe you finally get a first down or two in a drive and then you're back to you're in the huddle you're going back up you're letting them catch their breath you're doing this motion they have time to reset and think about stuff I don't know, sometimes you just got to let the man go out there and run that no huddle, that hurry up, maybe that half huddle, whatever they call it. I think sugar huddle is what I read, where you're just kind of, everybody's lined up, he's looking to the sidelines, he's getting his his play, he knows exactly what to do, what to check out of. And I think if I were a Packers fan, I would want to see, technically, just like let Aaron Rodgers cook, except for he's got that thumb injury now, and apparently that was a really big issue on Sunday, which I didn't totally see. I just heard, I had Bill and Mike texting me that, yeah, he he almost threw another pick six. Another one landed like five yards inside to the left of one of his receivers. It was just terrible. And then he finally maybe got himself together, had a better grip on the ball as it got later. But man, that was, that was a really, really bad game. You just, I cannot believe they lost to the Jets. Me personally, I love it. I I couldn't be any happier that they lost to the New York Jets. It's one of the funniest things in the world to me. But that's really bad. The Packers now sit at 
three and three, if I'm not mistaken. Again, doing my best here all by myself. Yep, three and three. They're two and two at home. Oh, speaking of at home, the Jets fans. Since when have there been this many Jets fans? How did how did that? It was either that all the Packers fans left the game or just stopped cheering because I mean that's possible too. Could have just been so dead in there. But the Jets fans, man. They were doing J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets chants that were taking over Lambeau Field. Fraudulent stadium. Talk about that in a later. Could, can't, just can't believe it. The Jets sit at 4-2, and two, Packers at 3-3, three and three, and the Packers now have another one of their supposed get-right games against the Washington Command Skins. Upcoming on Fox at noon. Let's get into the game preview with the Washington Commanders. I gotta stop calling them the Command Skins because that's just being stolen straight from David Sampson on the Levitard Show. Russ Grimm. The Washington Commanders are going into this game without their starting quarterback, Carson Wentz. But that doesn't seem to be too much of an issue, really. Would you? I'll ask the same question question as I did last week. Would you rather play Joe Flacco or Zach Wilson? It's kind of the same question this week. Would you rather play Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz? Neither one's really a scary option. I mean, it's it's Taylor Heineke or it's Carson Wentz. I wouldn't be afraid of either one of them. Maybe as a Packers fan, you will be. And here's what's kind of funny about our game preview that we've got on the rundown here. I left most of the things that we wrote down for the Jets game in the Washington game. The first one, the Packers can definitely lose this football game. Is that not true? Can anybody out there, one of our 20 listeners, 26, however many there are, can anybody tell me that the Packers can't lose this game on the road to the Washington Commanders? I mean, come on. You're in the absolute lowest valley of your season so far. The lowest point of your last three seasons with Matt LaFleur. Now you have to go to FedEx Field at noon play the Commanders that's like an 11 o'clock kickoff in Evanston, Illinois that's just it's going to be so dead nobody's going to be happy to be there but maybe that's the perfect thing they need maybe that's what Aaron Rodgers and the Packers need is nobody to be paying attention to them quick get right game get back to what you do best which I don't even know what they do best but as I said at the top Carson Wentz is out. Taylor Heineke is in. I would say the injury luck that Mike brought up is continuing once again for the Packers. Even though it's Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz, not much of a difference. It's still Taylor Heineke's first game of the season when it was kind of looking like he's probably not going to play again unless there was an injury like we have this week. I do like that it's basically running it back from last year. We are going to get some more Taylor Heineke. He's already, we'll we'll say familiar. We'll say familiar with this Green Bay defense. Played him last year. Played him tough, but did not win. Um, I just can't believe how many injuries. Packers are 3-3, and and they've had to play against guys like Bailey Zappi and now Taylor Heineke and Zach Wilson. I mean, come on. Zach Wilson wasn't good last week. We all know. So, going with our rundown here and sticking to some of our segments, even though we don't have multiple people to give their 
favorite matchup to watch of the week. I will just give one of my favorite matchups to watch, and maybe I'll add in another one to pretend like I have people here with me. Doug Williams. I, like I already said, like Taylor Heineke against Green Bay. That's that's my favorite matchup to watch. He already had that game last year where the dum-dum brains that he got from stepping into Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The one play that he had that could have brought them, I think, within a touchdown, maybe just within 10, or even tied the game. I'm sorry, I wish I remembered. I watched it like three days ago. But that play where he had the rushing touchdown, but he dove for he dove for it, but then as he was diving, he like tucked the ball into his into his pit, and they ruled that he was giving himself up, and therefore the ball never crossed the plane once he had started to go to the ground and get, start his slide, and it was ruled no touchdown. And then the QB sneaked it on fourth down, and they didn't get it because, of course, they didn't get it. I just cannot believe this keeps happening with quarterbacks in Lambeau Field trying to run for touchdowns a la Derek Carr like twice in the last couple of years, doing the dumbass thing that he does where he reaches out at the pylon, tries to score. He drops the ball, of course, because he's got tiny little hands and he can't hang on to the football. And then it's a touchback Green Bay ball, and the game's basically over from that point on. Because if you're a bad team and you blow your chances to score touchdowns in Lambeau Field, you're just not going to win. And I've seen it too many times, and I'm pretty sick of it, quite frankly. That, if you guys haven't noticed, is basically my version of the Packers turnover. Bill, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you an explanation for it yet. The manifesto is still being workshopped. You will have it momentarily. Um, eventually, maybe never, but you'll get it at some point. That Taylor Heineke play epitomized the entire game last year, and I'm just hoping we don't have that this year because we're not playing in Lambeau Field. I would really like for the commanders to impose their will on a downtrodden Packers team and put them to three and four, even though I just know that's not going to happen. That's not, I never, I never get my wish, even though the last two weeks I have gotten my wish. I don't know if maybe the tides are turning this year, but the Packers most certainly don't look like a real contender in the NFC. And it's, I think you guys should be worried. I said it last week, but you guys should all be worried. I'm going to go with my theme of the week. Now this week, Packers Twitter theme of the week seemed to be after last week. Fire McFleur. That's Matt McFleur for everybody who doesn't know. Coach, fired. He's soft. Apparently Matt LaFleur is a softy, and his teams don't fight back when they're hit in the mouth. I think you guys should fire him, honestly. He's, he's soft. He, does, he runs the Shanahan scheme like an assistant totally would. I, it, it, it'd be best for everyone involved, I think, if you guys just moved on, but that's just me, a totally unbiased, objective fan saying that I think you guys should fire your coach. Another theme, as I mentioned earlier, is the offense just not being run because Rodgers doesn't really like it that much. And it seems like, according to the writers on the beat, they actually have guys open. They got guys open. He's not finding them. He's not going through his normal progressions because he's playing a little bit of hero ball. 
I like hearing that Aaron Rodgers is playing hero ball. It's kind of funny to me. And also that you have Aaron Jones, who is performing very, very well in a lot of categories for running backs, like uh, expected y- or like yards per carry over expected, things like that. Uh, and he's just not getting the touches. He's averaging probably 12 touches a game. T- touches, not rushes. He's getting like a couple passes out of the backfield, a couple rushes. It's like, t- it's seriously 12. And that is just not enough for somebody as good as him, especially for how poor the passing offense has been. Mike keeps saying that, well, if we're the most efficient offense, don't you want as many possessions as possible so that you can decrease variance? But that works when he, he says that you are the most efficient offense or one of the most efficient offense. That's just, that isn't true this year. You need to lean on what works and what's actually playing well for you, and that is Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon, I'm sorry, bud. You got to come in for, like, short yardage and short yardage only because Aaron Jones is just so much better than you. I was a little afraid that A.J. Dillon was really going to be a one-two punch that was unstoppable, unstoppable for them. But he has been really bad this year, and it's... It is not what everybody envisioned in the offseason for this team. They thought they were going to have a couple of rookies that came along as the year went on on the outside, the wide receivers, but you got to lean on that running game because you got two guys that are really good. Get the pony package out there. Get your 11 best players on the field. Well, that's not working. Sean Taylor. What are you afraid of, Packers fans? I'm going to tell you what you should be afraid of with this Washington team. I'm going to give you two things. First, you know what? Three things. I'm going to do one for each of us. Mike, I think Mike is afraid of the Washington run game. Really good two-man punch between actually three guys, kind of. They have the starter in, um, crap, what's his name? Antonio Gibson, that's his name. He's still very good. Brian Robinson had his first game against the Bears on Thursday night. He looked pretty good. I'm not going to say he looked better than Antonio Gibson, even though everybody wanted to say that just because he came back from that horrific um, robbery incident in which he was shot a couple times. Miraculous comeback. I'm glad he's playing football. I can't believe he's playing football this fast. Um, Good for him. I honestly think Antonio Gibson looked better being as the team that they were playing. Brian Robinson just happened to be the one who scored the touchdown. And they also have J.D. McKissick. He's not been doing much this year. Um, he's one of the best catchers out of the backfield in the league, but they don't really need him too much this year. They should lean on him more. Washington's not very good. What am I saying you guys should be afraid of? I'll tell you. Scary Terry and Jahan Dotson. Two good receivers, of which the Packers have had trouble covering, even though they have a pretty solid sound secondary. Last week, I heard that Jair Alexander followed around the number one receiver, Garrett Wilson, for the first time all season. I think Garrett Wilson had like two catches, uh, maybe like four targets. Not a lot, so that's probably good. He's actually doing the follow thing. Mr. Cocky Jair is saying, you know, it's pretty cool. I think I want to do that again. He's probably going to do it again. But then that would hopefully leave Jahan Dotson, the talented rookie, open against the other guys. I do think the passing attack for Washington can be better. It has been better, but I think they were just bitten by Thursday Night Football being a hellhole. And also, the Bears have a decent defense. I'm just not going to talk about that much, but they have a decent defense. 
Lastly, Bill, what do you think you should be afraid of? I think I know what you want to be afraid of, Bill. It's that front line of the Washington defense, that defensive line that's going to stop your already non-existent running game. And, oh my God, that putrid offensive line that you guys call a professional offensive line. It rivals the Bears how bad it is. Who's that right guard of yours that is Royce Newman? Oh my God. Definition of turnstile. You look up turnstile in the dictionary, you're going to find Royce Newman right there. I love when everybody online on Packers Twitter can tell what would work better for the Packers and they refuse to do it. How have we not bullied the Packers into moving Elton Jenkins to right guard again? It's just a better option. It's flat out a better option, and they're just not doing it. Don't know why. Maybe they don't have anybody else at right tackle that they trust, but I think this is one of those times where you have you have to try absolutely anything. You gotta try anything. Doug Williams. Okay, moving on quick to the matchup history with the Washington Commanders. Let's do that real quick before we get into things to remember if the Packers lose, and then I'm going to give score predictions. I get out of here. Little history lesson. Packers and the Commanders are two of the oldest teams in the entire NFL. They're, they have played 39 total games. The Packers lead the series 22 and 16 and 1. They are 2015 and 1 in the regular season, and the Packers are 2 and 1 in the postseason. Their very first matchup was November 13th, 1932. It was Green Bay at the Boston Braves. They won in a shutout, 21-0. And then, their first matchup against the Boston Redskins was September 17th, 1932. Turns out the very next season, they changed their name again because they're losers. Uh, the Packers tied 7-7. That's what we call a barn burner. Then last time, their last first matchup, Green Bay at Washington Redskins, November 28th, 1937. The Green Bay Packers fell 6-14 to the Washington Arwoods. Postseason matchups include a December 13th, 1936 matchup against the Boston Arwoods. 21-6, the Green Bay Packers come out victorious. Another one, December 24th, Christmas Eve, 1972. Green Bay at the Washington R-Words. They fall 3-16. to God, can you imagine if those Packers had a chance to go up against the 72 Dolphins? I just know they would have stopped. Don't you? Their last postseason matchup, if everybody remembers now, because we're all youngsters who listen to this one, it was January 10th, 2016. Green Bay at Washington. The Packers prevail 35 to 18 before they go on to play the Dallas Cowboys in Arlington. And if you guys remember why they played Washington, this is because the last game of the season, Aaron Rodgers shaved points and threw the game against the Vikings by throwing that horrific interception in the end zone because as the play was unfolding, he knew in his mind, 
if we just lose this game, we get to go to Washington and play that terrible Kirk Cousins team instead of playing, I think, Seattle at home or in Seattle, something dumb where then the Vikings lost to Seattle with the Blair Kick Project's missed 20-yarder. So yeah, this man was calculating all of this in his head. I just know it. He threw that game and nobody could convince me otherwise. And then their most recent matchup was also another first where they played the Washington football team on October 24th, 2021 in the aforementioned Taylor Heineke giving himself up and not scoring a touchdown game. The Packers prevail 24-10. to that was an exciting one. Russ Grimm. Joe Theismann. Okay, things to remember. Real quick, if the Packers lose, always remember. I've just got two of them for you. Just remember that Dan Snyder is a big fucking loser, and everybody hates him. And he is going to get kicked out, hopefully, for being the loser and a terrible person. Also, remember, if, if the Packers lose... They didn't have to change their name three times in the last four years for being super racist. Now on to score predictions. I actually didn't reach out to Mike and Bill for theirs because I want this to be a surprise episode. They have no idea I'm doing it. They'll just hopefully see it in their feed when it pops up. Mike is going to pick the Packers to have a bounce-back, get-right game. Aaron Rodgers probably throws for three touchdowns. Um, no interceptions, like 300 yards. Packers come out on top, 34 to 17. 34 to 17, double them up. Bill, what do you think is going to happen with the Green Bay Packers? Oh, I don't know. I think um, I think uh, Rodgers, you know, looks a little bit better. I just think the Taylor Heineke stinks, and there's nothing good about Washington, and they're terrible, and. Packers still don't score very much, but Washington's not going to score very much either. It's going to be 21 to 14. Touchdowns only. That's a good pick. As for myself, I think the Packers stink. The Washington Commanders are going to use those two running backs to protect Taylor Heineke, even though he's got all the moxie in the world. Uh, they're going to run all over the Green Bay Packers if they have to. Mix in some play action, get Terry McLaurin running down the sidelines, get Jahan Dotson involved. I see three touchdowns from Taylor Heineke today. Uh, I see the Packers getting bulldozed by the defensive line of the Washington Commanders. They got a pretty shaky back line. Maybe Romeo Dobbs comes out with a touchdown. Who knows? But I'm going to go Washington Commanders 20 Bay Packers 13. It's going to be another bad one. Hopefully there's bad weather in Washington because that would just make this game even funnier. I don't know why. I just want this to be a mess of a game. And that is it. That is the Packers pre-game podcast. This was not very easy to do by myself. I feel very awkward speaking into a microphone with nobody around. Very weird. Um, And then one last message. If anybody made it this far, I'm hoping that my co-hosts and my friends who are celebrating without me decide to listen to this, maybe on the road trip back. I know you guys got a long road ahead of you. Maybe you could squeeze in 40 minutes for the PPP. Michael, I didn't get a chance to tell you. Very sorry I couldn't make it. Very sad I couldn't make it. 
Um, but it didn't really hit me until this week, walking around realizing that everybody was traveling and going to meet you down where you live, down, down in the south. But it just kind of hit me that my good friend, really good friend I met about eight years ago in college, is getting married. You are you are a married person now. That just happened. You are a, you are married. It is Saturday. You had the wedding yesterday. You are a married person. At least I hope so. I didn't hear anything bad. No bad reports. <laughs> uh, just very happy for you guys. Love love the um, fiance. She's fantastic. Can't wait to get down and see you guys down under. But uh, really wish I could have been there. Glad I saw you week two for the Bears game. And just congratulations to you both. Really, really, truly happy for you guys. All right. That'll do it for this week's edition of the PPP. I will talk to you all next week.